When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Jason, are you looking down at this? Are you looking? No, I'm looking. Okay. One, two, three, four. And that is how you count to four. Yeah, so you gotta include the three after the two. That's why that's why you fucked up. That's why you're that's why you're going to court this week. It's funny to think that just a small error like that could lead you to an entire legal saga that is far too complex to get into here. Right, 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 right. Um I noticed though that you again um uh, have a rope. Have a rope around your hand. Uh, you always drag your your people from Republican Heaven on on a rope so that you can send them packing when you're done with them. I, I don't want them to wander away on me because some of them some of them can get into trouble. Every time I bring Peter O'Toole down, the man just finds his way to a liquor cabinet. What? I don't know how it happens. He always gets. I don't know how a ghost gets drunk on human liquor, but he does. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got like special privileges or something. He must have. He he got ghost lessons from Vincent Chiavelli from Ghost. Is that me speak? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think my guy wants that word here. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, surprisingly, Michael Gambon. Wait. Yes, hello. So I must I must talk to you both about the terrible comments that were made last week. Oh, from Mister uh, Mister Dick Harris. Yeah. Yes, yes, Dick Harris. He's a man who can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. He's a man who's got a strong habit of the drink. Right. And. I guess that's all I had to say. Uh-oh. You have to understand. Now, Mr. Gambon, aren't you alive? No, not now. Actually, it's 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 I I well, I took my own life to come here. Whoa! And address Richard Harris. Wow, Mr. Gambon, this is going to age really poorly if you die IRL. Mm, mm, yes, I imagine it would. It would, uh, or be prophetic, and then and then perhaps then your podcast could truly ascend to the heavens. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that you're here. I don't know if I would have... Now, I just want to make it known to everyone listening, neither Jason nor myself told him to do this to appear here. No, no, no. This is my own decision, but I am realizing that it might have been premature. <laughs> okay. You, you, you kinda, I guess I'm you, going to have to go to uh, Republican heaven now. You, that's, that's where you go. Yeah, you're going to have to go up and hang out with Richard Harris. Mm, well, best get to it then. Goodbye. Oh, I have a jetpack. Jetpack! Jason, does that apply for guests, too? Does that mean that Sharon Horwood and Stephen Izzy are all dead? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure. That I mean, that I don't know that that was Michael Gambon for sure. Wait. I mean, he had a weird story. His accent was all over the place. Right. Might have been somebody impersonating him. But it's I not hear- DDL, though, because DDL would have done a good job. Well, I hear that in, in Republican heaven, I do hear that your accent kind of wavers once you get mm. there. So it could be well, that. Because they all start talking like this. See, they all get a mid-Atlantic accent. Right. Clark right, Gable's right. up there, and that's how he talks. Or some, or sometimes they talk like old Buzz Aldrin. 
Old Buzz Aldrin, I went to the moon and I kicked dust right in the man of the moon face. Holy shit, it's the fucking moon. Oh, damn, fucking moon. I would have loved it the scene in Dumb and Dumber when he looks at the newspaper headline. It's 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 an alternate history scene. So it just says, holy shit, I'm on the fucking moon. Well, that's one of my favorite Onion uh, covers. They they did a book called like The Onion Through History, and they just made up a bunch of covers of like what The Onion, how it would have covered various events. And for the moon, the headline was just, holy shit, man lands on fucking moon. <laughs> well, Jason, we're not talking about man landing on the moon, at least not this no. week. Um, but we are talking about a movie because we're a movie podcast. We're called for screen and Gunter. and more specifically, we're a British movie podcast. We talk about the British movies. We right now we are going through the Empire top 100 British movies of all British time. Um, mm-hmm. We've already gone through the BFI top 100. We're going through these ones right now to see if we can t- kick some old fogies off the BFI top 100 list. Ones that maybe I don't know aren't great or don't age super well or just don't have the cultural impact maybe that they think uh-huh. they do yeah 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 M- movies maybe that were more more relevant and remembered in 1999 that are not so relevant now that can just be kicked to the dustbin of history brendan yeah because we're only allowed to have so many movies those hundred movies those are the only ones you can get a blockbuster in the uk the other ones you have to burn in a fire yeah and onto a dvd so I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And that's what we're going to... Th- no, we're not going to talk about our names. It sounded like no. that's, how, that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> that's what we're going to break down our names, the their origin histories. of our names. That's right. Now, Jay. Jay comes from the full uh, word blue jay. So I'm assuming yes. you are a bird of some... I, I definitely am. ...of some kind. And son... Uh, so I'm assuming you are the son of a blue jay, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm assuming is the original title for the song "Son of a Preacher Man." Now, Jason, if you wouldn't mind uh, breaking down my name for me, uh, Bren, of course, is a uh, World War II era uh, machine gun mm-hmm. used by the British forces, and Dunn is uh, what your mom said the minute your dad came inside her. And that's where your name comes from. And Wall, of course, is because you're just another brick in the wall. Thank you for that imagery, Jason. No problem. Happy to help. <laughs> so we are going to talk about a movie on the Empire list this week. Um, we're going to talk about Paddington. But before we do that, we're going to read some comments regarding last week's film. And that was, of course, the epic Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So start us off, Jason. Tell us about these comments. Now, look at the etymology of the word comments, shall we? So calm mm. is to be relaxed, is to be in a state of, uh, yes. uh, of calmness, as it were, as much as I don't uh-huh. like to use the word in the definition. That's a, a fatal flaw of mine. And it's a it's a it's a perpetual state of relaxation yeah. and and ease and, and and meant can be like, you know, when you mean to say something, I, I intended to say this that way. So I guess my answer would be intending to put you in a state of relaxation. Wait, oh. is, this, is this not a game show? I think I think if, if that's what these comments are, I'm down. I, I want to be relaxed. All right, well, let's relax and let's let's start us off, Jason. Our first comment, Brennan, comes from Keith Seaman, who writes in, It's my favorite. It's the best-looking film, and it features some of the best performances of the series. Strong into the gate, Keith likes it. Keith Seaman is on, uh, wrote his comment on the back of the box. Sharon Horwat 
of Sharon Horwat Enterprises says, I 100,000% believe this is the best Harry Potter film. It adapts the book the best. The filmmaking is the best. The kiddos do some of their best work in the franchise in this one. And it balances the fun energy of the first two with the dour energy of the rest of the franchise. Also, this is the first one I ever watched, so I have an extra fondness for it. You never forget your first Harry Potter movie. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah, I, I I like this movie a lot. It is my favorite of the franchise, too. But we can't just have butthole licking across the board, Brendan. we got to have some dissenting voices in this matter. I don't I don't like that you changed it from ass kissing to butthole licking. Not a fan of that. Well, uh, when, uh, <laughs> when, I, when asked the question, uh, is this the best one, Grant Kennigan responded, he doesn't agree. I feel like they turned the best book in the series into the worst movie. Something about this one rubbed me the wrong way. The next film, however, The Goblet of Fire, turned out what I thought was the most boring of the books to life on screen. I actually think it's better than the book itself. That's an interesting uh, interesting view. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but uh, I, I do like the film version very much. But you will fight but to the I death his right to say it. But I sure, I mean, thing is, Goblet of Fire is a really long book in comparison to the previous three, and I don't remember finding it dragging, but I can understand how people might, because it is very thick. Uh, and I like yeah. that movie a lot. That's a, that's a solid movie. <laughs> Maybe not the best movie in the series, certainly, but solid. No, Two Towers is, I think, the best one. Harry Potter and the Two Towers? Yeah, Harry Potter and the Return of the King. Ron, Tower. look, there's two towers. Oh, there's one for each of us, Harry. <laughs> what about me? Shut up, Hermione. Girls don't like towers. Girls don't get towers. You can have a, a fellowship of a ring. <laughs> Melanie Lauren Pyle, I'm assuming uh, no relation to Missy. Uh, says, or Gomer. Or Gomer, who is a fictional character. <laughs> <laughs> Missy uh, Pyle's a real person? Fuck it's a, you. It's a real actor. No. Yeah, look it up, dude. Mel oh, come on. Melanie Lauren Pyle says, I know this is a very unpopular opinion, but for me, that's a hard no. As someone who adores the book, this adaptation doesn't know justice because it left so much out, had moments that completely misunderstood the essence of the characters, and a lot of the jokes totally fell flat. I much prefer the first two movies. Sure, they might be more kid-friendly and a lighter tone, but why does that automatically equate to being lesser quality? Huh. It certainly doesn't. It doesn't. I feel like the first two are not as good because I just don't think they're as well-made. I don't think it has anything to do with them being kids' movies. I think they're just... They're just, I think, I don't know. I feel like the first two and every one that comes after this, not that they're bad movies, but they just feel more straightforward and more, I, like, uh, less imaginative than this one. Like, I've, I've found that this is a series that does get, it, like, each movie gets progressively more interesting as it goes on. Like, I think, obviously, I think Azkaban is the best one, but that does not a slight against the later ones. Like, I think they're all great. Don't get Jason started films. on Half-Blood Prince. Whoa! <laughs> I haven't seen that one in so long. I haven't seen that one since it came out. But I like that book, too. Like, I mean, I like all... The, like, that's the thing, is at the end of the day, I like this series. I like the books. I like the movies. I don't have a bad word to say about it. I mean, maybe the author has proven herself to not be the greatest person. Um, <laughs> Prove despite it. A lot, despite a lot of what she actually preaches in these books. Um, but th the books are good. I mean, at the end of the day, to use an old phrase. But we've got more comments, Brendan. You don't need to hear me ramble on. 
Marissa Aguanidja writes in and says, It depends on what you use to judge best. If it's based on a true and faithful adaptation to the source material, then the answer would be no. If it's based on cinematography and mood, then yes, most casual fans tend to like this one the most because of that. My main issue with it, as for the fans, was the removal of the Marauder's backstory. Yeah, that is a big... I, yeah, I, I just take that for granted, but uh, apologies. Back to the comment. The removal of the Marauder's backstory and the wardrobe change into regular clothes instead of robes. My personal favorite is the Chamber of Secrets because it's faithful to the book. The kid's acting got better and it still has a John Williams score. Okay. But uh, I, you know what, I would, I, I see where she's coming from because the first two are very faithful to the traditional image of Harry Potter. Everybody's in their robes and it's, uh, you know, it's all the manicured British private school kind of shit. Like it's very much that and Alfonso Cuaron obviously is a guy that he didn't want to do that he did something different and he went rougher and he made these he made it more real and grounded and part of that is having them wear like civilian clothes as it were I mean we do see them wearing their uniforms but they're always disheveled and they're like you know they're kind of like they're like teenagers I think we talked about it in the episode we did yeah but see that's the stuff I like though it's like even if I did I think even if I was an avid reader of these books even if I was like you know had read them even once I think I just appreciate so much more at the end of the day, as you said earlier, um, I think I just appreciate it more when a director comes in and, and adds a little flavor to it. Like they don't yeah. have to just take what's in the book and just take it exactly how it's supposed to be interpreted. Like give it something of yourself. And otherwise, yeah, and otherwise, why am I watching this l- live action repetition of a, of a novel? I mean, I would have been fascinated to see what Christopher Columbus's version of this movie was if he'd have directed it. But I think I less interesting, to be honest. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, it would certainly it would have been more traditional. Uh, but like I say, I think those series that series got really good, and even when David Yates came in and kind of finished it out there, mm. it was it was some good stuff. Well, uh, our next comment comes from Justin Scott. Two first names. Watch out. Uh, Justin says it's the most polarizing one from what I have seen for sure. I think it just means in these comments because I think overall it was very highly regarded by critics and and audience in general. Um, I think it was the most well received one of all the whole series. Uh, some people, including me, love it for what it is and its total departure from the squeaky clean G whiz mood of the Chris Columbus movies. Some people absolutely hate it and call it the worst film of the franchise for starting the trend of taking liberties with the story from the books and for its dark stylized mood and settings and also Michael Gambon's intro, intro to the films. Well, it's hard. It's hard for any actor to take over a role. And I, while we have definitely seen it done successfully, it, it's a it's a tough, tough thing. You you have so much against you when you're taking over a role that somebody else made famous. You know, all the all the and I, and I think Michael Gambon does a good take on Dumbledore. I just don't prefer it. I prefer Richard Harris's take. But unfortunately, he was dumb and died. Wowzers. Okay. Uh, what what, what who else is there? Jason. Well, we got a comment from Paulita Tulenheimo. Someday I'm going to learn how to pronounce stuff. It's hard for me to look at the films as just knowing how much the books meant to me when the films were coming out, but uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, I never liked as either. My main gripes with Prisoner of Azkaban were casting choices I hated, paired with the directing style of actors that I don't like. And back then, I remember hating modern clothes and the modern clothes and the film's general tone. Maybe it's too much of a gear change. Nowadays, I'm annoyed at the shot of Hermione on the Whomping Willow because it looks over the top, and then Quaron did the same in Gravity. <laughs> Wow, there there are some strong takes on this movie that I yes. did not see coming. I love it. I love it. I love seeing these uh, these mixed takes uh, on a movie that otherwise seems like universally acclaimed. It's fun. 
Well, Jason, I'm going to finish it up with a very positive one here from Jeff Sargent, who says three, the third one, is the only one that I feel is cinematic, where the techniques of filmmaking, production design, costume, cinematography, editing all add to the meaning. The others are just straight sort of attempts at recreating the books, but without adding that extra layer. So fans of the book might be disappointed since three stands more on its own as a film, not just a copy of the book. That pretty much sums up my thoughts, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it, it does stand as a good film. Everything's uh, well constructed, and we talked about the time travel plot as one of the few time travel plots. You know, feels good. Like it doesn't. Mm. It may not. It may not make sense if we really start to break it down. But time travel never does. So it was weird when uh, Harry Potter's mom tried to fuck him, though. Yeah, that was. Bad. Oh, I wanted to bring up too the uh, yes the I, I don't know if they ever addressed that in the films. Are you familiar with the origin of the of the Marauders map? No. The Messers, ugh, I never remember the names, Proudfoot and Prongs, and, and yeah, that's that's James Potter and Lupin and uh, Peter, and who was the other one? Who the fuck was the other one? Why? Who's the fourth person I can't think of? There was another one. I have no idea. Anyways, yeah, said that it was, it was, yeah, it was made back when uh, Harry's parents were at Hogwarts. So. But see, I also think if they included all that stuff, as people say, they're leaving out the whole plot about that, that movie would have been two hours and like 58 minutes. It was already like almost two and a half. Yes, that might have been, actually, that might have been serious. who was the other one. I thought it was. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. You, you can't, you so often can't do everything, and that's fine. That's what yeah. That's what makes reading the books rewarding if you've seen the m- movie first. Yeah, right? I just think it's two different. Detail. I just think it's two different things, man. Yeah, books are not movies, and movies are not books. That's why it's hard for me to even compare. Unless, you know, unless the movie is just an absolute shit show, then it's like, yeah. okay, well, this movie sucked, and I like the book. But a lot of times when it's close, it's like, I don't know. Like, they're two different mediums. It's hard for me to compare. Or you get something like The Lawnmower Man, where it's just like, why did they even bother getting Stephen King? Just They literally got him just for his name to just have on the movie. absolute perfect anything. adaptation of the source material. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sure. <laughs> um, well, on that note, let's move on, Jason. Let's get to this week's movie. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about Paddington. Mm, 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 mm. Paddington, Paddington, he's a bear and he is the sort of bear who likes to wander from his home. And he just assumes that people will take care of him and he heads to London cause that's where he's gonna go. And Paddington is a bear, he still continues to be a bear. Roar. That was bear for fuck off. Paddington is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Oh, jeez, Paddington, can you get me a beer? I like how that's your idea of a sitcom <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, Paddington, can you get me a beer? What? Yes, I know I'm a bear. That's not what I said. I said beer, bear. Beer, beer me, bear. God damn it. That's the kind of uh, quality content you you folks download this podcast for. Jason. Only Carol O'Connor was still with us. (laughs) We're talking about Paddington, which is interesting because we did a Brit Pick episode and we talked about Paddington 2 already, which I know know you loved. Brendan forced me to watch the sequel to a movie I hadn't seen. Yeah, and you were so lost. It turned out that it was fucking fantastic. So when, when he said that this this original film was on the list. I was pretty excited to watch it. Mm-hmm. 
Paddington is on this list. Um, let's just run down the people that are in this. Pretty much the same as the as the uh, as the second one. But we got Ben Wishaw as the voice of Paddington Bear, of course. We've got, it's, it's a prequel, so they're all younger. It's, it, well, I mean, a prequel in the sense that it's the first movie. <laughs> It's a, it's a, look, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a sequential prequel. <laughs> so it's the first one. Yeah. Uh, we get to a sec prac. as the Brown family. We have Hugh Bonneville as Henry Brown, Sally Hawkins, the wonderful Sally Hawkins as Mary mm-hmm. Brown. Uh, she also makes great chicken. Oh, uh, famous chicken. Uh, Madeline Harris as Judy Brown and Samuel Jocelyn as Jonathan Brown. We also have Julie Walters, who we just saw in the most recent movie. We just saw her in Harry Potter last week. Uh, but she plays Mrs. Bird, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman absolutely killing it as Millicent. Uh, well, I won't say her last name because that's a little spoily. But she's she plays the villainous Millicent character. Um, Laying the groundwork, of course, for Hugh Grant to uh, a triumph in the second film. Mm-hmm. Uh, both great villains in both these movies, by the way. Yes. Uh, Peter Capaldi, of course. Uh, we we actually talked about him. Uh, he was in uh, Local Hero on this podcast. Yes. He's also one of the many Doctors Who. Doctors Who did what? Hey! hey. Oh my God! That means you're a companion. Have fun. What? That's a that's a, a sort of a Doctor Who reference, I guess. Hey, if you're a Doctor Who fan and you enjoyed that, I'm glad. Oh, okay. Well, it's for all you folks out there. Uh, yeah. So Peter Cavaldi, uh, Jim Broadbent, of course, is also in this one and the second one. He plays Samuel Gruber, um, Imelda Staunton as the voice of Aunt Lucy, and wait a second, that's why he was here. <laughs> Michael Gambon as the yeah. voice of Uncle Pastuzo. Exactly. Uh, another person that showed up last week. That's what happens when you do a movie with every British actor on the planet. You don't want to know something that just kind of struck me that I didn't realize? What's that? So so the son's name is Jonathan Brown? Yep. And all I can think of now is John Brown's body lies moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies moldering in the grave, but his spirit marches on. I know the tune, but I didn't know the lyrics. That's that's one of the many variants of that tune, but oh. uh, that's a Civil War song. It's also the Battle Hymn of the Republic. You know, glory, glory, hallelujah. So it's like, Paddington's a movie about a bear. He's got clothes on and he stares. When he does, it's hard stare. People get uncomfortable because he's Paddington the bear, 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 bear. There you go. There you we got go. it. And I just described the plot. No, Jason, this is the first Paddington movie um, directed by Paul King. Same director as the sequel. Why don't you tell us briefly what the first Paddington movie is about? Well, it's an origin story, you see, Brian. It's not an origin. It's the first <laughs> fucking well, movie. It, it, yeah, it Jason, is an origin story, Jason, though. Jason, just because you do, you watch the second one first doesn't mean this is not fucking Star Wars. I, I, I understand your humor, but but I understand. I mean, like uh, Spider-Man 2002, that is considered an origin story, is it not? It is It is the origin of Spider-Man. By the way, thank you for yeah. confirming to me that you are a robot when you said, I understand <laughs> your humor. <laughs> I understand and comprehend your humor, sir. Mm. But uh... I understood that particular reference. What are you, Captain America? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Paddington. He he lives in the woods as a bear does. Uh, his uh, uh, aunt and uncle, 
I guess, because yep. his parents, I guess, are dead, but they never get into specifics. I like to think that uh, uh, they were taken as trophies, uh, given given how the rest of the plot turns. Actually, that would have been a, a dark way to go, is that at some point, uh, Paddington ends up in the, the villainess's apartment and sees his parents' heads mounted on the wall. I think really that, could have gone into some deep territory. I think that might have been a bit far for this movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the bits and bobs, I'm sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, there's an earthquake. Uh, Pat Paddington's living his happy life with his aunt and uncle. But his aunt and uncle years and years ago, uh, on a timeline that is very confusing, met a an explorer, and he kind of taught them English. And then they started speaking English to each other. And eventually he leaves and said, look, if you're ever in London, it's cool. You'll find a warm welcome. And so 40 years later... Uh, young Paddington is being raised by his aunt and uncle and then there's an earthquake and everything falls apart and uh, the uncle disappears and so Paddington takes his hat and well the his, uncle's uh, dead well they, they say that but is he because doesn't he show up in the next movie no just just the aunt shows up in the second one I believe uh, anyways yeah he's, he's presumed dead but of course who knows who knows what Paddington 3 will bring us um, so the uh, aunt sends him off to London uh, to find the explorer and you know have a home since they have no home anymore. And I guess she's already got a place booked in the uh, uh, home for old bears. Was that it? <laughs> the home for retired bears, I believe. Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. The home for retired bears. She already had a birth and thankfully that was not uh, affected by the earthquake. So Paddington goes uh, to London and on her advice, he just has a, a tag tied around his neck. Be like, hi, I'm a bear. I need a home. And <laughs> please just sits take on the train platform. Bear. Yeah. Please take care of this bear. Yeah. And uh, Hugh Bonneville and his family, it was Sally Hawkins and the kids, they wander by and Hugh Bonneville is, is treats him like a homeless person. And he's just like, God, ah, don't even don't even look at him. Let's just go. But Sally Hawkins has a little more empathy and she agrees to, to bring him in and they want to try to find him a home. Yeah. You know, not not necessarily adopting him themselves, but well, he's... And then, of course, Paddington causes an immense amount of what I refer to as uh, um uh, whimsical chaos yes. over the course of his time with the family, causing a flood and causing a fire and, you know, just but well-meaning, but, uh, you know, despite that, people people don't seem to like Paddington so much sometimes because he's a bear. Mm -hmm. and there's a real metaphor there. Uh, we'll get into that, yes. But eventually everything all works out, doesn't it? It does. And also yeah. there's a villain played by Nicole Kidman who wants to stuff him. Yeah, which is weird. It's funny with this sort of movie, like, do you even really need a villain? I guess you do. I think so. Uh, I think it's But I'm glad Nicole Kidman was the one they picked. She's fun. Yeah. She's having a good time. Yeah, she wants to stuff him. She wants to stuff the bear. And that's pretty dark in of itself. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, Nicole, the Nicole Kidman, um, by the way, uh, very excited to be doing this movie. She's a very, as a, as a child, of course, loving Paddington. Mm -hmm. um, the author of Paddington was very worried when, when he, he knew this was being adapted into a film because he'd seen other things pop up. Like, I'm not, and I'm not saying this, I'm not just comparing it on the same level of origin, like a uh, source material, but you know, we have like Alvin and the chipmunks to some extent. We have like Peter rabbit. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other Garfield, like most of these don't turn out great. Mm. You know, yeah. like most of them end up just being like wisecracking fucking product placement <laughs> nonsense, yeah, but, right? And, but Paddington 2 is an especially old, older one in comparison to a lot of those other franchises you named. I mean, maybe something like Winnie the Pooh might be older. Well, Garfield like, was before this for sure. Oh, you mean the source material? 
Yeah, I'm saying because I, I feel like that must go way back. I remember as a kid having some Paddington books and merchandise, maybe even a Paddington bear, but I never remembered anything about it beyond just the image of the red hat and the blue coat. Well, Peter Rabbit is a very old story, though. and I, Yeah, that's a Beatrix Potter, right? I seem to remember. I, I just like it just seems to me like when they take these old stories, these old kids stories, and they adapt them into like a CGI creation with live action people around them, nine times out of ten, it's not a great result. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, part of it is, I think trying to unnecessarily modernize. Yeah. Uh, I mean that, and to be fair, that can be done. Be fair. That can be done. Well, where you kind of put a modern edge to, to a classic kind of series, but sure. I, I mean, Isco Paddington, there's something just so warm and fuzzy and, and it's a combination of the performances and the writing. And, and I think the direction, I think it's everything just works together this movie yeah i mean i mean those movies um they don't they tend to go for lowest common denominator jokes like those movies tend to go for like you know they have like the fart jokes and the things that they know they will get an easy laugh for the kids whereas this feels like this movie is treating you if you're a child watching this it's treating you as a person it's not looking down on you it's not it's not saying oh you're not going to get this unless we put paddington having like a, a, a ripping a big fart after the scene or something there is only one single fart joke in this movie is there a fart joke i missed it yeah it's well it's it's very subtle too it's it's when he's in the, in the beginning of the movie when he's on the boat i think and he's sitting there on the bench and he uh, he's just eating all the marmalade and and he kind of leans over to the side and just and like kind of like lifts his leg a little bit. And just as he does that, the, the horn of the boat goes off and he kind of gets startled. Oh, OK. Yeah. See, yeah. and then and then see, that's like the classiest version of that joke. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> like it's not just like, you know, Paddington in a, in a bathtub, like having bubbles pop up or something. Like oh, it's, yeah, it's no. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So so Paddington, again, like you said, it's everything just kind of coming together. And the fact that this movie has like, you know, they're also not going for like, listen, I love the people that are in this movie. I love Nicole Kidman, love Sally Hawkins, but they're not going for like those name brand stars. You know what I mean? They're not. It's not like a, um, a Garfield where it's like we got to get Bill Murray, like we got to get, uh, you know, big name star Brecken Meyer. Like it's nothing like that. It's well, it's a British movie, Brennan, and I think I think those people are certainly have more cultural catch it in Britain sure. maybe than they do on this side of the pond. Now, n- no, no shade on Hugh Bonneville, who certainly is known in America for Downton Abbey, but uh, but none but of them are like that. Is not like why that's not like on NBC or anything. Yeah, but I'm just saying like none of them are like blockbuster stars. You know what I mean? I would like, say no. It, well, Jim Broadbent was in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yeah, he was the. So lead. was Nicole Kidman. The, they were yeah. Jim Broadbent was the fucking lead, of course. <laughs> I mean, he was the ringmaster. But I mean, you could say the same thing about the sequel too. It's funny you mentioned Nicole Kidman because you could say I. I mean, I would say she's the biggest star in this movie. But I would say the same thing for the second movie. I would say Hugh Grant as the villain is the yeah. biggest star in that movie. For sure. And I think Absolutely. it's like it's a fun thing for people like that to to do a, a part like this, right? I mean, I would argue Nicole Kidman plays many different kinds of roles, whereas Hugh Grant well, kind of gets relegated to very similar roles a lot. They, those those people are kind of, well, maybe not Hugh Grant as much, but but I know Nicole Kidman certainly is at the level where she can do whatever she wants. Sure. And if it's good or bad, people don't care. She's still Nicole Kidman. I mean, I think actually, you know what? I would say that about Hugh Grant too, just because, uh, you know what? People got over him picking up a prostitute, so... Uh, and rightfully so. He's a good man. He was just trying to support that young lady. <laughs> Listen, he picked up a prostitute. It's not like he assaulted someone or raped someone yeah. or shot someone. It's, it's funny what we used to get mad about. It's funny, like today, like if, I don't know, 
What if uh, what if uh, John Ham picked up a hooker? Like, we'd be why like, would he? Not checks. Well, first off, it'd be just like, what are you doing, John? You're John Ham. You could probably go to a nice. You get a nice hooker. You're like, you don't have to just pick her up off the street, John. Well, it's like all. It's also like John Ham. Aren't you like? <laughs> probably married with children yeah 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 you, you seem like a, a put together adult see i think that would be the scandal more than anything else if it was a single person going to get a prostitute we'd be like yeah whatever cool that's true that's true i picked the wrong what if gary Busey went and picked up a prostitute uh, nobody would bat an eye no one would bat it up people would be like well that's a really that's it he didn't He's like probably just gonna try to tell her about the bible i mean i think people would be like wait where's the part where it says he tried to eat her yeah. <laughs> what you got to understand is that your profession is one of the oldest professions in the world, and it's, it's recognized by by Jesus Christ in the Bible. Ah, so you got, you gotta, I, what I'm saying is, you got to give me a discount handy tonight. You got to you got to understand that in order in order to in order to kind of have this full experience, I need to consume you. Okay, I need to <laughs> I need to feast upon your face. Just want to cook you up with a little bit of garlic, a little bit of onion. And just bring myself a little closer to God. The craziest thing uh, is Mr. Busey's been clean for three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- th- this oh. is, again, it's not, everything coming together. It's it's not going for cheap humor. It also just feels like very wholesome, this movie. It, it feels p- it pure. It feels wholesome. It doesn't have like a, a shitty point of view. Um, like a lot of these movies, te- like a lot of these movies sometimes have, you're like, oh, okay, we get like stereotypes and shit. Like it's not, it's nothing like that. It's wholesome, Brendan, without feeling like overwrought and cloying. Exactly. Like some family films and often are. That is such a difficult line to tread. It is a very hard thing to balance, and, and you got to respect the people that can really do it well. As a person who has seen the movie Bicentennial Man, I always mm-hmm. appreciate a movie mm-hmm. that can actually juggle these two things well. It's a lot of schmaltz in that one. <sighs> that is, <laughs> you you would probably have a diet. You probably like watching it. Somebody would probably have a diabetic. At coma, going to yeah. a diabetic coma, just watching the movie. That joke was worth the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, you're on fire, boss. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that that's the overall thing I think I, that I first noticed is just it just feels it just feels different from all those movies. It's like Paddington is such a thing too, where I mean, like you said. This isn't just like, a, I feel like an Alvin and the Chipmunks is like, oh, you watched it when you were a kid and it was kind of funny and like, whatever. You look back on it now, it's not that great. Let's be real. And like, yeah, well, or something like Garfield. It's like, you know, whatever. But like, I think Paddington is such a beloved thing when you were a, chi- when you were a child, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just something that you, you grow up on. So you, you hope and you pray and maybe it helps that this is a British movie too, where mm. this is not just like an American director doing whatever with this thing like you know yeah. get, making Danny DeVito the voice of Paddington or something like that although I watched the shit out of that <laughs> but but like giving it sort of like a respectable adaptation I I think what I think the thing that really lets them ride that line is the fact that Paddington f- foremost among everybody else is so just goddamn earnest like he's not he's not he's not he's not rude with dude he's not you know he's he's not a cartoon character he's just he's just a very naive very innocent but very open and very welcoming and very uh interested little bear and and the yeah exactly there's not a like a wrong-headed bone on his body like he's not 
he he doesn't have any like smart aleck comments he doesn't have any he doesn't really he doesn't quip really like yeah. he just he just kind of goes through life and he kind of accepts everything and and <laughs> doesn't really have anything bad to say and that's what i love about this movie too is that the characters that start out kind of unsure of him like uh like like the father like mr brown and of course judy brown um they eventually you know settle in uh, just just by the, just the sheer basis of the fact that they figure they're they're figuring out he's genuine like yeah. they're figuring out over time that he's just a genuinely nice bear that just you know is is, is himself and and they it doesn't it's not it doesn't take any kind of brave thing that he does it's just kind of yeah. like they just eventually realize it they they kind of see past the mistakes he makes and realizes that he's 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 you know he's a good guy he's he's trying his best and he just doesn't know and he's, he wants to learn another difficult thing too here jason is that we for the first part portion of this movie we have a lot of just like cgi bears talking to each other and mm-hmm. a lot of times you know that doesn't work well either you see things like this and and it's just like oh i just feel like i'm watching a bunch of glop glops like talking to each other there's no warmth to it but this one does have that too it does the the, the characters and maybe it's the voice work too it's just it feels yeah. like everything just kind of gels together the, the the bear work in this movie is very good. I mean, this movie's from 2014, and I was impressed at how well the effects hold up. Like the thing is, like when Paddington is looking at you, like because a lot of there are a number of like Wes Anderson esque shots where he's staring straight into the That's camera. True, it's like you really do get a sense that he's a a person like he's reacting as you would expect it's the the, the uncanny valley isn't there and that's mm. and that's easier to to nail when it's a non-humanoid <laughs> well not not a humanoid it's humanoid but like a non-human character yeah so the humans that fuck you up tron. but you can make animals really well and they do such a great job tron legacy will attest to that the yeah. human human uh uncanny valley <laughs> can, can we just get that model of jeff bridges but then just have like current jeff bridges voice him and just be cool and just be like hey man it's hey guys i got some advice for you man it's so weird <laughs> <laughs> this is what i used to look like when i was 30 man <laughs> and this movie just believes in like the like inherent sweetness of humanity ultimately at the end of the day because everyone other than of course one character but everyone pretty much like comes around in some way. Like even we have, we got to talk about him because we got to talk about Mister Curry, the uh, the neighbor <laughs> who I don't remember if he showed up in the second one. I'm pretty sure he did make an appearance. I don't think he figured into it. I but I think like they walked outside and he was grumpy out the window or something. And, okay, because in yeah. this movie, it's very much like a oh you're a I don't want any bears in my neighborhood kind of thing mm, you know mm, it feels yeah, a little bit of allegory there it yeah it feels like there's a bit of a racism uh, tinge here or even like well, I, even like uh, uh, an immigrant well absolutely because when she's talking to him Nicole Kidman she's like uh, it's first it's one bear then it's a bunch of bears and then you got all these bears running around doing bear stuff babe. Yeah, and you're not gonna be able to live your life with your kids and your lawn. Nicole Kidman in the Dennis Miller biopic. Sign me up. <laughs> I would. I would pay to watch that. I would pay double. I see it. Please, <laughs> please. I mean, they, they should do a Dennis Miller biopic, but do it like um, uh, what was that movie? The the Scorsese one about Bob Dylan, where he, Bob Dylan was played by a bunch of different. Well, people. that's not Scorsese. That's just another guy. That's not Scorsese. No. Oh well, whoever did. That I know what one, you're talking Bob about. Bob Dylan shit. Yeah. Yeah, do that, but do do it with Dennis Miller. <laughs> Okay, Sandra Bullock plays him as a baby. Yep, absolutely. We'll let Dana Carvey play him in a scene because sure. he does a great Dennis Miller. Yeah, and then at the end, it's Lauren Michaels as Dennis Miller old. 
Finally, it's my turn to tape. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned so Nicole Kidman when she later talks to uh, Mr. Curry. Nicole Kidman, of course, playing Millicent. Um, mm-hmm. She t- she talks to him as if to like stoke that kind of. Uh, you know, those feelings that he has. She kind of goes like, like you said, she's like, oh, there's one bear and then it's multiple bears. And then you've got bears all over the place and they're not like you and me, huh, Mr. Curry? Get it? Yeah. But it, again, the but I will say that's me doing that. The movie is not super in your face about that. But it, if you, if you listen to I the mean, dialogue. No, no, but it's a clear, it's a, they're making a clear comparison well, that, point yeah I mean, but i it mean, may not be in your face but it's there I, i'm just saying like like you said the movie's not overwrought i don't think it's overdone yeah. in this way oh, no. but they make no, it, it obvious enough that you're like okay okay yeah hope an impressive a positive message among the kids that that's not the right attitude because in the second one they do kind of continue that thread a little bit as well mm. with that whole message of immigration but this one really puts a stamp on that like you really feel it in that scene where uh, Curry is 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 he and he even does the whole thing like looking out his window. They're waving to him, and he cl- quickly closes the the curtains and just like eyes them and everything. He's like, "Oh, yeah. a bear!" Like it's bear. it's something, man. Everyone's got a Mister Curry in their neighborhood. By the way, one of my favorite lines in the movie, and one of my my laughs is when in the movie after he realizes Mister Curry that um, Nicole Kidman wants to stuff Paddington. He calls uh, uh, yes. Mr. Brown and tries to like like leave an anonymous tip, and he starts speaking like, "Oh, oh I just wanted to let you know that Bear is going to get stuffed, Patty." And he's and, and when he picks up the phone, uh, Mr. Mr. Brown's just like, "Oh, hello, Mr. Curry." <laughs> and then somebody runs down and goes, "Who's on the phone?" And he goes, "It's Mr. Curry speaking in a silly voice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was such a great fit. Such a great, uh, very Py- John Cleese Python esque kind of read. I appreciate it. There that. are some moments like that in this movie. There yes, are some. There some, are some, some good Python. Really funny. Yeah. Really funny wordplay and moments. Uh, uh, I gotta say, and some fun directing choices too. Like just the, the ideas of the flashbacks and and some of the uh, just some of the design of this movie. Like you said, it does remind me a little bit of Wes Anderson. It's different enough where it's not like oh, you're just being Wes Anderson. Like I think. Uh, What's his face? Who did Napoleon Dynamite? Is way too mm. close to Wes Anderson, but I, I think I think there's definitely inspiration yes, from Wes sure. Anderson in this, um, particularly um, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Certainly a, a, a zesty movie. Zesty, yes. I I have a big thing to talk about, and maybe it's not a big thing. No, tell us, tell us, preach. Wh- when does this fucking movie take place? Like, what year does this movie take place? I think it's. I think it's just like the second one. I think it's meant to be uh, contemporary. Okay. Yeah, I know. And then there are a couple of things that lead me to believe that, based on some of the cars and the fact that what's her face has like a uh, Judy has like Beats headphones or something. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think it's but other times. But okay. But here's the thing, though. So then, assume what's contemporary, 2014, right? Yeah. The Bears talk about how they met this explorer 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So in, so that would be 1974. I feel like if in 1974 an explorer went to talk to some bears, it wouldn't be like a newsreel from the 1920s mm. uh, recording it. So, that like I mean, obviously this is a children's movie and this is not important, but it just the idea of like this colonialist explorer in 1974 going out and uh, talking to bears and having a black and white uh, uh, uh a film made about it. it just doesn't seem to jive man and then also none of them seem to have cell phones did any of them have cell phones here's, the, cell phone. here's the thing also the one computer they use they go to the library and it's an ancient terminal that's got like green and black text on it which to be fair it's a library so it may just be the computer they have 
But I think I think it's contemporary, but it's also old, like old fashioned. Like I think I think it's this. It feels like a little town in London that's like you know it, it's contemporary, but also it's like we're still just a little behind everyone else. Like it, it does feel like it, maybe that's maybe that's going back to the Paddington storybooks too, and that it's trying this to is, retain is, a little bit of that magic. This is an alternate timeline yeah. that was created when King's Cross, Paddington's son from the future, uh, uh, during the robot wars, built a time machine and went back in time to try to fix what had happened in the past. And then it had split off into this alternate timeline where technology, thankfully, is much less prevalent. Oh, I was thinking this was the uh, alternate timeline where uh, this is what happened. With, this is what actually happened when uh, Captain America uh, went back in time to return uh, th- the the Infinity Stones, of course, and uh, then aged and came back. I-, I assumed he just fucked with time so much that uh, this this is just what happened. So wait, are you telling me that Paddington is a facet of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Dude, of course. Okay. What I'm telling you is Paddington 3, uh, Thor Civil War is coming out soon. Paddington 3, the first movie in the Dark Pictures anthology or whatever they've Oh, fucking the, the, the Dark Universe or whatever. The Dark Universe, yes. Yeah. The Dark Universe. Congratulations <laughs> on that fucking extended <laughs> film universe, you morons. <laughs> Fuck you people for trying stuff. Ha! Well, I mean, the first one was a terror, but awful, so I'm not that yeah, well, upset about gotta, it. They got to try again. They got to do it one more time. We got to really finally get that... Um, I don't know that Wolfman meets Abbott and Costello movie. We need yeah. When Wolfman meets the girls from Booksmart. <laughs> what if Abbott and Costello were uh, Dane Cook and uh, uh, Kevin uh, James? Nope. Farley. Uh, no. Nope. Pollock. Uh, Kevin Farley. Sorbo. Really? Oh no, no. The other one, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Well, I I would hope one of them gets eaten. Which one would that be? Here's a hint. Not Kevin Hart. All right. Moving on. Uh, yeah. So what, sorry, what was your big point in all of that? Oh, just the time. No, I just, just the time. It just seemed like a weird, like weird time existence. Like you think they could have just gone on Google and searched up the explorer's name once they figured it out from the the film. But again, I don't know. I feel like this little town is kind of stuck in time, but, uh, but maybe. Yeah. Cause they literally like walk out. It's like, Oh, you want to find this guy? Here's all the phone books from London. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just a mix of like, yeah. I don't know. It, I thought I thought it was kind of interesting the way they did that. Um, I will say one thing I really appreciate in this movie, and they avoid this big issue altogether, is that there's no qualms, there's no questions, there's no confusion. There is just a talking bear, folks. It's a talking bear. Let's just let's just move on with our lives. Because well, literally, the 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 addressing of it is like, wait. You talk, and he's like, yeah. And he goes, bears can talk. And he goes, yeah, we're a pretty rare breed. He goes, huh. That's like it. That's it. <laughs> but I love that because then you avoid yeah. all those see all those yeah. derivative scenes. It's like, oh, my God, a talking bear. It could be just, you know, eventually it gets you also, to be. You miss out on the opportunity for those kind of like family guy jokes with Stewie where it's just like, wait a minute. Why is this baby talking? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like or the baby can talk. <laughs> We don't need uh, we don't need twelve scenes where every character is shocked that Paddington can talk. 
<laughs> but he's like screaming and running away. Well, that's the oh thing. If, if that was the case, this movie, all this movie would be is like, holy <laughs> fucking shit, there's a fucking talking bear. Talking bear, man. Shit, you can't, you can't tell me there's a fucking talking bear here. Listen, and I've been on the fucking moon, dude. And now you're telling me that there's a fucking bear that talks and wears clothes? Shit. Well, Here's the thing. If this was an American movie, uh, uh, it would be about Paddington. He would come and then he'd be like, like the circus would like abduct him and make him into a sideshow. But then the FBI would be after him because they'd want to reverse engineer his brain for military purposes. Uh, and uh, there'd be a lot of like running and maybe some gunfire. Yeah. You know what? I, I at first I was going to say that's crazy. But you know what? <laughs> you might be onto something that might happen. <laughs> Like really, the American version of Paddington, if we're going to get down to it, is probably Alf, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. How have they never made an Alf movie? That's crazy. I mean, didn't they? I think they did. No, I don't know if it was didn't. theatrical, but I I'm mean, pretty sure it, there were a couple it, of Alf TV special movies. Special or something, but I don't think they ever made like a movie. Uh, what was his catchphrase? Uh, I'm Alf and you're not. <laughs> oh, you cats. <laughs> yeah, and then they dropped that because it was a little much for the show. Pop quiz hotshot. What was Alf's real name? I don't know. Alien life form. Gordon Shumway. Perfect. No idea. I never watched <laughs> Alf. Oh, well, you missed out. It was a good time. <laughs> um, how about all the, the, the fun slapstick in this movie? You talked about some of these scenes where, yeah, you know, he gets into a tub and uh, eventually causes an entire flood in the house. There's a, there's a moment where he's Ooh. like almost skateboarding through the, through the, um, the city and accidentally busts a robber. Yeah, yeah. There's the the bus, uh, the bus scene where he's like being pulled behind the bus on the skateboard, and then he grabs an umbrella and floats up into the sky. Well, it's fun yeah. because he he goes to stop someone because someone lifts a wallet, but then drops his drops it on the way out. And Paddington, of course, out of the goodness of his own heart, just assumes that this guy's lost his poor wallet, so he grabs it and tries to follow him. And of course, he's st- he's a stumbly bumbly bear. And eventually he just like lands on the guy and all the wallets this guy has stolen just fall out of his pockets. And then police come and assume that Paddington's just busted this guy and they think he's a hero. And he's like, I just did what any any good bear should have done. (laughs) Like, and that's what he means. He just wanted to give him his wallet back. He's just such a sweet bear. Although my my friend Shane, who I've quoted on this podcast before in the comments, pointed out like, hey, if if anybody was going to be a serial killer, it'd be the person you least expect and could very well be Paddington. Paddington would be a great serial killer because nobody would ever ever think about it. Shut your fucking mouth. But at the end of the day, he's still a wild bear. He's still got claws. He could still gut you, Brendan, no matter how cute and sweet he is. He's not going to, Jason. Mm, Isn't he? No. I'm going to keep my guard up is what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, it's just like about the, these scenes are like, I don't know, again, just very well done. Like I a lot of slapstick in these movies and this one, these ones are particularly fun. They're not, they don't feel like a, a bore, a, a drab. Uh-huh. No, no. In his earnest reactions to the, the chaos that he's causing uh, are quite fun. I love that when he comes down the stairs on the tub. Yes. And then it kind of comes to a rest in front of the kids and the, the boys just like, that was awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. I do also like that. I think we mentioned it when we talked about the second one, but a lot of these scenes have a very like silent movie quality to them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like they do feel like something that Buster Keaton or, you know, Chaplin would do, especially Buster Keaton doing all that, those crazy stunts that he's done in these movies. Right. 
Yeah, and and definitely lends this movie even more international appeal because slapstick is you know the universal language, really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can you could play this. You don't need dialogue in these scenes. No. Like all you need is the uh, is the action on screen. Yeah. We just see we just see him stumbling around causing trouble. Yeah. Oh, I gotta go back to Mr. Curry for a second. There was a line where he said, um, "I thought when he tells Nicole Kidman because he's he's put off by the fact that she wants to stuff him." Yeah. He said, that's too far. He said, I thought you were just going to send him back to Peru, which is like a very <laughs> like, send him back to Africa, you know, very yeah. like, ugh. oof. <laughs> I'll donate other races. I just want to send him back to where they come from. Oh, he also says when he hears about Paddington not being there for very long, he said, that's good because I don't want to listen to his loud jungle music. Yeah, that was that was the closest to be like, ooh, shit, that's coming real close to some racing shit right there. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. But again, as a kid, you, you like some Uncle Ruckus would say on Boondocks, like, hey, listen to their jungle music. But again, as a kid, you hear that and you're just like, oh yeah, because he's from the jungle, of course. Yeah, exactly. Of course. It's it's not it's not that the, one of the one of the things I think is like the stupidest thing in a kids movie is where a character like says something instead of a curse word, mm. and the joke is that they didn't say the curse word. And it's like the most little tiny children are not going to get that. It's like, what's the point of that joke? I get it's like, oh, something for the adults. But who cares? I think there's a range. I think there's a range for that joke, Brendan. I think between the ages of maybe I would say, say, seven and 12. That's that's a joke that would hit. But I don't think it's a They almost said a bad word. It just it's just not. a. I don't know. It's just not a very funny joke. No, not for you or me, but for that five year gap. It's lazy. Oh. It's lazy, Jason. I know it's lazy, but sometimes, but kids are stupid, and sometimes they haven't heard that dumb, lazy joke before. It's their first time, but and it works. It just makes me so mad when I see things like this, when I see things like Encanto or like you know most most Pixar things, and, and then I see and I see like lazy ass kids movies, and I'm like, you could be so much better. Yeah, yeah you could. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, and it's, it's I know it's a tough line, but yeah, the. I was making, you know, I was saying the kids are dumb, but I think there's a lot of people that think that, and there's a lot of media that reflects that thought that kids are dumb mm. because as an adult, you'll watch it and go, surely they can't think kids are this stupid. Like, maybe they do. Maybe they do think that. Maybe that's the real truth of it all, and they think they're just going to consume the toys they market to them. Well, and it's, I'm not saying like, you know, it's like any other movie. It's like any movie made for adults. It's like sometimes I watch a movie and it's, you know, sometimes I watch movies made for adults, Jason. And, uh, you know, some of them, I mean, I have a whole podcast about it. Some of them uh, expect us to be really stupid, too. Hmm. And I'm just like, but I'm not like, I know you don't have to tell me three different times what the plot of this movie is. (laughs) Yeah. But this but again, this movie, this movie strikes so many balances. and, And there is certainly that balance of making it a movie appealing to adults without you know, turning into like Shrek or something like being like cloyingly over the top. That's the other thing. Yeah. That's the other thing too. I have to rewatch Shrek one day because I don't, I, I remember loving it. I I liked Shrek too. I I liked uh, Shrek three. I liked Shrek one. I liked them all. Uh, But I Uh, I don't know how they would play now. Yeah. That's the question. Like I remember Shrek two and I liked that movie, but also I didn't like it as much as the first one. And part of it was just like, this feels like they're going a little too hard on the kind of pop culture bullshit in this one. Uh, there's something too I remember about the uh, the first Shrek. Somebody mentioned, and, and we're talking about Shrek now, folks. So buckle in. Um, but there's a, in the first one, there, the whole thing is about like acceptance and like accepting people for who they are. But then they have a whole scene where the main characters are making fun of like the villain for being short. 
Yeah. And it's just like, wait a second. <laughs> you can't do that. And then and then all, also it's like, oh, well, it's okay. It, the princess can love someone ugly as long as she's ugly too. You have to understand the directors and writers of this movie are all Newmanists. They're Randy Newman uh, followers, and they understand that short people ain't got no reason to live. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it's a weird thing. Fact. It's a weird, yeah, weird message in a children's movie. And they hired a guy who's you know pretty tall uh, in in uh, uh, John Lithgow to play this short man. Well, yeah. Well, that's the joke. See, all the kids will get it because all the kids are giant John Lithgow fans, of course, from Buckaroo Banzai. And uh, they're, they, they love the TV adaptation of The Stand. Yeah, and of course their favorite John Lithgow performance, um, Cliffhanger. There you go. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> their favorite. They're always hanging on cliffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we talk about uh, Nicole Kidman specifically? I mean, yeah, okay. She's yeah, she's the villain. She she's she's a very like. Um, I think they run the risk of having her be like a, a, a very cartoonish villain, which she kind of is, but like it kind of works, right? Yeah. It's this very like against everything else that we're seeing. We're, we're making a family movie here. We don't want a villain who's too threatening to Paddington. Like, I mean, what <laughs> what if what if the villain instead of Nicole Kidman was like, uh, 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 what's his face? The dude that uh, played Muldoon in Jurassic Park. And he's like a he's like a a hunter with a big fucking he's like skinner he's basically skinner mm. and and he's got a big fucking knife and he's gonna go oh, i'm gonna hunt that fucking paddington down you know that would be that would be a little too much yeah or you, you, you know we couldn't have a, a character for uh that wanted to like sell paddington into like the sex trade or something <laughs> people gonna love his fairy bang oh <laughs> we'd you get the villains from uh that latest rambo movie that just want to like yeah. <laughs> sell them into like the mexican drug cartel or whatever yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, they, oh dear. Everybody it's, has use for a bear. It seems you. It seems you dropped your smoking pipe. Shall I get it for <laughs> you? <laughs> bear, you oh, better you leave that something. on the ground. How did a southern man get in the Mexican cartel? That's well, my bad, I you, I've been on the fucking moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Buzz Aldrin, Doctor Buzz Aldrin, it's such a pleasure to meet you. Listen, times are tough. Cause I got on the moon and all I said was, "Holy shit, I'm on the fucking moon!" And I didn't get no fucking rights to that shit. Cause Neil Armstrong said, oh, "One small step for whatever." He's a fucking asshole. My point is, I- <laughs> my point is, I now have to work for the drug cartel. So get in line. I am the first person to ship cocaine to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> you think the moon is made out of green cheese? Hell no, it's made out of powder. <laughs> yeah, baby. That actually would be actually, you know what? If you really wanted to make some money off some rich people, if you could get some lunar dust and cut it with cocaine, you could sell it at a huge premium to Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, sure. Oh, he, I know that smell. I'm sure, he does, I'm sure he does moon rock cocaine. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> so anyway, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Fantastic. She does. Lady. She does want to stuff him. I think. I think that's that's as dark as this movie gets is that she wants to stuff him. But yeah, I you're right. She. I think they need to make her more over the top in in order to maybe quell the uh, scariness of this character. Yeah, and although she's about to skin a monkey alive at the beginning of the movie, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you she gotta... gets very close. She's about to do it, and then she hears about Paddington, and then of course the big twist with her, Jason. Is that it ends up that she is the daughter 
of that explorer from years ago but she's not such a nice person she she she's mad because her her father the explorer didn't want to share his discovery with his fellow uh stiff upper lip british people which is one of my favorite scenes is where they're all like oh we turn our backs on you yeah <laughs> um and because i mean and be- because I left them in squalor, I think, or I left them poor, she uh, she has no love for animals. But wasn't she? I thought she was specifically mad that her father didn't kill them and bring their heads home as trophies. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, or at least tell the tell the other guys where where they were so that he get money. So or they they could go get those heads. Right. Exactly. I mean, talking bears. You think about it, talking bear. That's going to go for a lot of money on the open market. Yeah. I mean, think about eBay. Think about eBay. Think just think about it. What about that site where they 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 secretly sold out those kids? What was that? <laughs> Fair Wayfair. 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 You get just what I need. Yeah, it's where, it's where they. Hey guys, if it says a four five seven eight, that's a lost child. What? Yes. Or yes, whatever the did. fuck that bullshit Very was. Complex code to sell children. I mean, you think you'd think if if they were doing that that. Somebody would order a futon and get a kid, and then that would make the newspaper. It'd be like, "Look, I all I wanted was a futon, and I got this little boy. Listen, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with him." You might be asking, "Why did I buy a sixty-five thousand dollars futon? I just wanted a futon, and I'm rich." I thought it was good. I figured if I was spending sixty-five thousand dollars on a futon, I was getting the top of the line futon because futons suck. It's like Marge says in The Simpsons when toilet paper costs seventeen dollars. Okay, but this better be the best toilet paper I've ever used. Right, Marge is a wise lady. Yeah, um, I also like how when we get to the finale of this movie, because Paddington gets taken, he gets uh, taken by uh, Millicent, of course. Uh, but we get to the finale, the, the family all use their like special skills. Like we have, like uh, Mr. Brown is very like you know, his <laughs> lines like you know, thirty four percent of pre breakfast incidents happen with banisters or something like to his kid. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a risk assessor, right? So he's and in that in that finale, like he's taking lots of risks, right? And he's letting his overcoming himself. He's letting his son um, help out. And his daughter is like dealing, like dealing with stuff. Is you know Sally Hawkins, and they're all just kind of working together. So it's a nice like it's a nice like finale there. And he, for once in his life, he has finally gained the respect of his children. And Mrs. Bird helps out in a major yeah. way by drinking that security guard under the table, now, distracting him. If I remember correctly, in the sequel, did was it Mrs. Bird that shoved a shotgun in somebody's face oh. and was ready to blow their fucking head off? Oh, yeah. She got, like, biblical on someone's ass. Yeah, and I thought in this movie that she ended up, like, accidentally murdering Nicole Kidman at the end <laughs> of the movie because she got drunk with that security guard drinking two bottles of dark rum and then comes up and, like, hits her with the... inadvertently hits her with, like, the hatch and knocks her back and she falls off the building. I also thought for a second that she had just killed her because I didn't remember, and I was like, man, is that really how this goes? And then, of course, you see her... solve this problem? Yeah, and then, of course, you see... Because this movie is, like... This movie wouldn't kill someone like that. Like, it, it, it does have, like, obviously, you know, Paddington's parents are no longer there. His uncle does, unfortunately, pass. But this movie doesn't really kill people you know what i mean like you don't it doesn't watch anybody die no like you're you're not even the villain is uh is safe from from this in this world although she does have to do community service and i like how that's a worse punishment than jail for her and she has to work at a petting zoo that's a great that's a great comeuppance for her i mentioned this earlier off the podcast brendan but i really think that we could benefit the world if we were to take paddington and cg him into um don't look now i think Ooh. That we could really do it as Julie fun, Christie. Like, uh, no, no. <laughs> oh uh, shit! That scene. Although looked... that, that actually, 
That's ooh, ooh, yeah, that's no, sexy. I mean, would be ooh, real hot. That, that would be real. That would be real interesting. Uh, but no, I was thinking more that we we CG the little girl's coat in the beginning to blue. And uh-huh. We change when we when we CG a hat on top of her, and then she dies, and then we have that running around Venice. And at the end of the movie, it's revealed that Paddington was the one that did it. Oh shit! I love it. Let's do it. Make it happen think, right now. I mean, this would be a good try-in for whenever Paddington three comes out. <laughs> Paddington three. Don't look now. <laughs> All right, well, Jason, do you- and Julie Christie and Don Sutherland are both still alive. What if this was the sequel to Don't Look Now? Oh, man. Let's do it. Oh. Now, do it. And it would be called Don't Look Now 2, Now You Should Look. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Look Now 2, Now You Should Look, colon, it's Paddington, exclamation it's mark. Paddington. He's here, finally. <laughs> Wait, there's more? Oh, okay, dot, 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 the movie. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Well, Jason, do you have any uh, other do you have any other big things you want to talk about before we get into some bits and bobs? Uh, no. Okay. Well, on that uh, very direct note, uh, we are going to take a brief break, listen to some ads, and we will be right back. Age of Radio. I like bits and bobs. Bits and bobs are what I like. Bits and bobs, bits and bobs, it's bits and bobs with Jason and Brandon helps too. You know, Brandon, we've been doing this podcast a long time. Mm-hmm. You know what I just, you know what just kind of hit me? I'm amazing. No, you're a fucking terrible singer. What are you talking but, about? But it's only, but it's only now I've realized that it took me however many years we've been doing this podcast to realize finally that you're not that good. Yeah, because I'm putting all the effort into this performance that I just gave you. Yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell. I can see the veins on your head popping. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. Call me Bad Singer now. I apologize. That's fucking metal. Fuck you, dude. Yeah, fuck me. Bits and bobs. Uh, I love a fake newsreel, Brendan. Always enjoy it. One of my favorite fake newsreels is actually in Citizen Kane, which isn't that, which is funny to think because it's like 1941 or whatever that movie, 1942, 1941, that movie was made. Yeah. And they do a fake newsreel in the beginning because I remember hearing the story about Robert Weiss was like a, an assistant editor on that movie and they took the film that the newsreel was on and they they tied it to the back of a car and they dragged, like they just drove around and dragged it through the parking lot. To scuff it up. <laughs> That's how you do. Yeah. So that. So I like a fake newsreel, uh, and uh, that was the original one. Uh, marmalade. What's the deal with marmalade? I get that he likes marmalade. I don't like marmalade. Do you like marmalade? I think we mentioned. I think we talked about this the last time we talked about the Probably. the like the sequel. And I know you mentioned uh, marmalade. I've actually never had marmalade. Okay. Yeah, I was. No, I've, I've... I'm mad because this is the second time, Jason, that I was like, oh, I'm going to eat. I'm going to fucking have a fucking piece of toast with marmalade on the air. And I forgot again. <laughs> yeah, I know. And this would have been the appropriate episode to do it. And unless Paddington 3 comes out sometime soon, uh, then I don't know. Paddington 3, help me out. I need to eat marmalade. That's right. Uh, but yeah, marmalade, it's I guess it's fine. My dad likes it and my, my grandmother used to make it. Uh, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I, oh, so. First off, Aunt Lucy also thinks very highly of the British public uh, at this point, thinking that if she just sends her fucking bear to the station and he's got a, a tag on him saying, please take care of me, that somebody will. <laughs> Not in this era of Brexit, baby, let me tell you. Maybe in 2014, London. Mm, I guess pre-Brexit, maybe. Um, 
Uh, P- Paddington, we, we, we didn't uh, d- mention the part that Paddington uh, teaches Judy how to speak bear. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because she's very good with languages. We, she's learning Chinese at one point. And then she does yeah. learn bear. She's quite good at bear. And, and yes, when I say bear, I mean it, she, he just roars. Yeah, well, because that, that's calling back to a joke earlier in the movie where he's talking to uh, Mr. Brown, and, and Mr. Brown says, well, what's your name? And he says, oh, my name is... And he's like, what? And he, and he says it again. And he's like, oh, it's Bear. And, he, and so he goes, you try and say it. And he goes, ah. And he just looks at him and goes, that is a very rude thing to say, Mr. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> just and, and that's such an old sawhorse of a joke. It's, it's always funny. Yeah, always. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I love the cutaways. Oh. I love the cutaways to the orphanage. When they talk, they talk about how he might he might live in an orphanage, and there's like a spooky old mansion that says orphanage. It's like, no, 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 it's not an orphanage. It's a place that houses people who may not have a home yet and are looking for one and are gonna get one soon. And it's the same building, but like it says that big title instead. Yes, that was that was a, almost a Simpsons joke. Yeah, 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 <laughs> or kind of kind of Pythonish. I, I like that because we see Paddington running around in the trees early in the movie, and um, so that when he's told to go upstairs and freshen up rather than use the stairs, he just runs up the banister. Right. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I did hear um, an automated voice um, on uh, when Mr. Brown is – so at first Mr. Brown is trying to call someone to, to get the bear home because he doesn't want him to be in the house for very long. And the voice message, the 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 hold thing says, your call is moderately important to us. Yeah, yeah, it's a different voice too. Your call is moderately important to us. Right. It's like they change it every so often, yeah. just because. That's a comment on the British uh, aristocracy, my friend, right there. It, I would say. I mean, also just terrible fucking <laughs> call mm-hmm. center hold things. Oh yeah. Uh, I like it when he's when he's having his issues in the facility and he's fighting the water and stuff. At one point, he holds up the uh, the toilet seat like it's a shield. Yes, I thought that was a nice a nice touch. It was a good little uh, good little thing. I, I love Paddington describing each of the characters, each of the family members, because he doesn't quite understand. Like there's one, there's a moment where he says, uh, "Judy suffers from a terrible ailment called embarrassment." Yeah, <laughs> she's always that, that's embarrassed. Her main, that's her main character defining trait in this movie that she's embarrassed by everything. I just think it's funny but, that he's like he just captions it as a disease. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, we were all teenagers once, and we all went through that period of everything being embarrassing. Five long years ago, Jason. Yep. For me. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you young twenty-four year old. Mm. Uh, I, I liked it at one point. He's described because he has the uh, the bobby hat on that has the fucking. I, I missed that. How did he get the the bobby hat with the the light on it? I think just because he ran by the cops, and I think something just. But do cops have do bobbies have hats with a fucking like Spock light on the top of them? They do in this world. In this world. Wow, that's crazy. But yeah, that was fun. They described him as some kind of tiny police bear because he's chasing after the guy. Yeah, I lo- I love the cab driver who Nicole Kidman tries to get information about because she knows that the bear was in his cab. And he says, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. I can't tell you that's the cabbie's code. And then cut to him being hung upside down. He's like, oh, the cabbie's yeah. code is more of like a guideline. More of an ethical guideline. <laughs> it's not, not really anything. But but that's actually, that's the one death in the movie, I would say. Because Does he she die? cuts him down. Well, I mean, we never see his fate. She just like she she threatens him. She hangs him upside down. She threatens to cut off cut off pieces of him. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like and then as she leaves, she cuts the thing, and we see him fall. Yeah, we don't we don't see his fate, and I don't think he shows up in the sequel. So I have to assume that he died. <laughs> he actually, that's Hugh Grant in the sequel. Oh yeah, <laughs> he he fell into a vat of acid, and somehow it made him attractive. And then he was like, <laughs> the mirror. <laughs> 
it's we see the of course we already had the origin of Paddington's hat earlier in the movie because it was given to his uncle by the explorer. Yes, and then when his uncle died, that was the one thing that was left of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out the coat is also an heirloom that was handed down from uh, uh, the Browns. It was. Yeah. Uh, Judy's jacket when she was a child, but then it was also Mr. Brown's jacket when he was a child. It's a it's a cute little hand me down. Yeah, yeah, with nice wooden buttons. Um, uh, oh, Mr. Brown uh, is in drag at one point. Let's not forget about that scene. Yes, yeah, so that uh, that's some that there's some classic British humor right there. He's dressed in a ridiculous looking uh, uh, cleaning lady outfit, like like literally like like pantomime stage cleaning lady kind of shit. Like he's got like the most whorish like red <laughs> cheek makeup, yeah. and he's wearing like pink Crocs and, and, and there has an apron because it's a scene where they're trying to get more information on the explorer that that found Paddington and his and his uh, or found Paddington's uh, parents. And uh, and they're going with, yeah so he's he's undercover as like a as as like a maid and the funny and and they do they do go to the joke where the the guy that's working there is like has the hots for him in drag mm-hmm. but they don't go they don't do like the he's super grossed out by it which was nice yeah no he's like into her yeah <laughs> her. oh no no he's, but I mean into... but I mean they don't do the joke where Mr Brown is all grossed out by that. Oh yeah, no, no. He just kind of like rolls with it, and then, but yeah, that's and that's such a funny old joke. Just to like, <laughs> it's just like, clearly a dude in drag, and the guy's still like, "Hey, how you doing, baby?" You know, like. <laughs> yeah, but he, <laughs> when he, and then he run when he runs away, and somebody's and that guy's like, "Somebody stop that beautiful woman!" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, Paddington causes a bunch of uh, 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 chaos, I would say, some more whimsical chaos in that. Uh, is it a bank? Because they or the library? Because they they have a pneumatic tube system, which of course kids love pneumatic tubes. I love them. But they have a pneumatic tube system that he shoves a sandwich in and it causes it to all fuck up and explode. Mm-hmm. What's that thing That's called? Funny. Is it is it called a honey trap or is it called a honey pot when someone like uh, seduces someone else to get what they want? That's Honeypot, yeah. Okay, so that's hilarious then because Mr. Curry cl- like ex- explicitly calls Nicole Kidman Honeypot as her, as her pet yeah. name, which is really funny. Yeah, that's what I wrote down. I wrote down, Peter Capaldi really thinks he can fuck her. Like, he really <laughs> thinks he can, like, he thinks that. He thinks that's a legitimate possibility, which is why he's doing this. Yeah. And, of course, she's playing into that, but and of course he legitimately thinks that. She's playing off his, you know, prejudice a little bit, too. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I like that the I like that Paddington has the same uh, theory for hiding a sandwich in his hat as does the British Royal Guard. Yes, when he ke- just no, keeps that, handing him like food and stuff. That's a great. That's a great scene. He's, that that guard has an entire tea time in his hat. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's actually a smart move. I wish I could get away with keeping a sandwich in my hat, but I don't think it'd be pretty pretty salty and soggy by the end of the day. I'd say. Um. Another. Uh, another. Uh, Visual joke I really liked is when Nicole Kidman shows up to take Paddington, take Paddington, and it looks like yeah. her her vehicle says taxi, and then when she yes. closes the door, we see it's taxidermist. Taxidermist. That's, <laughs> that's like a Looney Tunes joke. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun, <laughs> that was a fun one. That's a good one. Um, I I love the bit. There's another fun, just so British of a joke. Uh, where so Paddington at some point we have the part of the movie where Paddington leaves. Because he's like, I'm too much trouble. I don't want to cause you guys any any more trouble. Things will be better when I leave. So he takes off. And Sally Hawkins goes to the police station to report him missing. And, and she gives a description of him. And the police officer goes, it's not much to go on. <laughs> she looks at him and goes, really? 
he's a bear with that red hat. Like <laughs> it made me laugh really hard. And she does it in a way, and she even delivers it really well too. Like she yeah. doesn't do it in like an over the top way. She's just like, no, it's perfect. Hey, really? <laughs> and then there's, and this is a fun little visual thing too. Um, Cause on the wall of the home of the Browns uh, going up the stairs is like a tree with like, it looks like, like rose, a rose tree or something like it's got like rosebuds on it mm-hmm. and rosebuds when everything kind of goes wrong and Paddington leaves, we have a scene where the, 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 the petals all blow off the tree and it's just a bare tree left. And then later in the movie, when Paddington comes back to the place, it's animated. So the, the petals all come back in and it's like, it's all lovely. Again. Oh, I didn't even notice. It was that. a nice moment. Nice. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, oh yeah, the old lady gets gets the security guard drunk, like uh, Mrs. Bird. I thought that was a fun thing. She needs to attract the security guard, so she like pretends to be like in distress because she missed her bus. And then of course the guy's like, ah, this old bird, come on in, we'll warm you up. And then she's like, oh, do you want to have a little drinky poo? And pulls out a bottle of like fucking black rum. <laughs> I, I love that she plays like the defenseless old lady card, and she's really like a badass. Yeah, but then but he's like, look, I'm on duty. I can't be having a drink. And so she decides to goad him. It's like, oh, come on. You, you don't think you can handle this? And he's like, oh, I'm going to show you, old lady. Yeah. <laughs> and they go drink for drink. And, uh, yeah, he gets pretty drunk and passes out by the end of it. And but she, she can hold her liquor, Mrs. Bird. Yeah, she almost kills Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yes. Uh, the last... Th- Oh, oh uh, two last things to say here. Mm-hmm. The uh, penultimate thing, the Dustbusters. Using the Dustbusters to climb up the oh. elevator shaft was kind of neat. Mission Impossible music came on, yeah, too. exactly, exactly. Uh, and my final my final joke that made me laugh really hard was when Hugh Bonneville is talking about, uh, about Paddington, and he describes him as having and a worrying marmalade habit. <laughs> <laughs> He's an addict. Oh, okay. One last thing. I, I for, just totally forgot. I wanted to point out. So earlier in the movie, there's that scene where Paddington's hiding out in the in the lifeboat, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got all the jars of marmalade with him. And so he just starts eating the jars of marmalade. In that scene, we, we have a shot of Paddington, or, or we, we, we see Paddington eating it, and then it pans over, or it doesn't pan over, it fades over, and we see the pile of jars, and then we pan over and we see Paddington. We never pan over to the right side of the boat. Do you know why we never pan over to the right side of the boat? No. Because that's where the numerous piles of bear shit are. <laughs> we come from eating all that fucking marmalade, and you you know that's not like it's not like neat little piles. That's like fucking liquid. Nice. Yeah. So it probably was pretty awful in there. Probably, but I mean, good for. I feel it. bad for the security guard who found it. Oh man. <laughs> well, notice you oh. don't see them a lot after that. So. Yeah. No. No. And that and those are your bits and bobs. Brendan, those are my bits and bobs. All right, well, Jason, I just got a few notes about the... Um... About my bits and bobs? You're going to fucking give me notes about my bits and bobs? All right, tell me what the fucking problem is, bud. Wow, I feel so cornered. No, I'm just going to give you some more notes about the movie, Jason. <laughs> oh, okay, I like that. Um, apparently, the, um, uh, the the producer of this movie uh, didn't want him to have these red Wellington boots because they were not part of the original design of the character. Um, because they, but they were added by toy factories over the years. Um, and it was basically because they wanted to make the Paddington teddy bears able to stand up on their feet. Ah, yes. So that was, Makes that sense. was the thing that the producer was, was not going to, uh, not going to do. Um, the director, uh, during pre-production, he went to, he went to a bunch of screenings of like children's movies and like, guys don't make this seem creepy. Okay. He went to a bunch of screenings of children's movies and he literally was just watching to see what made kids laugh. And yeah. that is the that is kind of the thing he went. 
that is the kind of thing he used when he ma- when he made this movie. He also said that he brought his wife to most of these screenings so that he didn't seem like a creepy loner. Yeah, it's smart, it's smart. <laughs> so, um, here's a crazy thing, Jason. Uh, Emma Thompson has a connection to this movie. Mm. She did a um, an uncredited uh, retooling of the script, and she Ooh. actually got a, a a thank you. She was one of the special thanks in the end credits. I thought you were going to be like, Emma Thompson has a connection to this movie. She uh, dated Paddington for three months during the production of the film. She did date Paddington. It was a uh, whirlwind. Oh, she did say, though, uh, he was a better lover than Kenneth Branagh. Well, I mean, clearly. Jesus. Um, here, here's a fun uh, tie-in to modern times, uh, what we're all talking about these days, Jason. Uh, call oh, my God. Was it Paddington in January 6th? <laughs> No. Oh, thank God. But well, first, first of all, Colin Firth was actually going to be the voice of Paddington at first, but he actually voluntarily left because they all kind of said, you know what? It doesn't fit. It doesn't really fit the character. He's a little old, I would say. Well, a little old, but also just like his, his voice. He just sounds like kind of a, a, a sad British man. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. Ben Wishaw's voice is, is very comforting and relaxing. Like the kind of voice you would want to hear read you story, like a children's storybook. But I do, I do love that Colin Firth was like wise enough to say, yeah, I agree. This isn't really working. Here's now, here's the connection I was going to, I was going to mention in the, uh, who do you, who do you suppose does the voice of Paddington in the Ukrainian dub of this movie? What? In the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think does the voice of Paddington? Uh, Vladimir Zelensky. He sure does. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a comic actor, so that's not surprising. I think that's so funny. I, I kind of want to <laughs> find footage of that. <laughs> but yeah, no, because he, I mean, because he was a comedian. He was an, uh, a performer before he became, you know, president of Ukraine as we know him now. Hmm. Uh, this is also the hmm. first time Nicole Kidman has done a family-friendly movie uh, following the birth of her two children. Um, I mean, Eyes Wide Shut was pretty family. Uh, that no, no, I don't believe so. <laughs> she also said she did it because she wanted to have finally have a movie that her kids could watch their mother in. <laughs> it's like I mean, that's I think that's why a lot of actors do movies like this. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously Nicole, Nicole Kidman does a great job and is having a good time, but yeah, they want to do the. It was why Alec Guinness did Star Wars for Christ's sake. Like now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about this though is that the kids were very excited about Nicole Kidman being in it. And they, because they figured she, she tells the story. She said, they figured I was going to play the bear's mommy. However, when they discovered that she was playing the villain, they were mortified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the last thing I want to mention is Mr. Gruber, uh, the character we didn't really mention too much because he's not in it a whole lot, but Jim Broadbent's character was actually, uh, he's actually described in the script as a Holocaust evader. Evader? Evader, like a, like a guy who saw it coming and got out of the country oh, just in oh, time. okay, okay. Sorry, it just, it sounded, it sounded almost like a negative connotation, like, oh, he's a Holocaust evader, like, man, we should have got the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking coward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he burned his Holocaust oh. draft card. No, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's how the character was described. I don't feel like that comes across in the fi- finished product, well, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, while that's certainly an important thing to, to recognize, I don't know that it would have added much. There's that shot of his, of course, of his arm with the tattoo. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's all I have for that. But I will tell you that it does not go to the Oscars, which I was kind of surprised even like visually or like production design, but it doesn't. Um, yeah, you'd think like just, just Paddington himself would be worthy of a, a special effects nod. Something, right? But it does it does go to the BAFTAs. It does get nominated for two awards. It doesn't win. But what do you suppose are the two awards it gets nominated for at the BAFTAs? Uh, best Special Effects and Best Adapted Screenplay. Best Adapted Screenplay is correct. And it also gets nominated for Best British Film. 
Oh, wow. But both of those go to the Stephen Hawking movie, The Theory of Everything, which is like a good movie. Wait, is that, oh, is that the one with Eddie Redmayne? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I thought you were talking about it as like some documentary with Stephen Hawking. Which no, was, no, no. That's probably, that's actually the, it was a uh, brief history of time. Yeah. So that, I mean, The Theory of Everything is, is you know, it's a good movie, but I don't, I don't know if I'd put it as like a best Best picture. Also, Stephen Hawking did not come up with a theory of everything. We're still looking for that. Well, you'll have to take it up with uh, Felicity Jones. Is that her name? Yeah. I'm going to go punch Felicity Huffman right in the mouth. Um, she's not the one in that movie. <laughs> I don't care. If she's named Felicity, I'm going to get her, and I'm going to get Carrie Russell. I'm going to get everybody Felicity-related. Damn. Well, I will tell you, Jason, the reviews for this movie were through the roof. On Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. this has a 97%. Compared um, to what was the sequel, though? Oh, like a hundred up until until there was yeah. like until like Armand White or somebody came in, and then it was like ninety nine. But it was a, it's really a hundred. Um, it's, it's the anti bear lobby. <laughs> no, he's just a fucking goon. Um, he's a contrarian. He's a contrarian for the sake of being one. Which is what a contrarian is. Anyway, the site says Paddington brings a beloved children's character into the 21st century without sacrificing his essential charm, delivering a family-friendly adventure as irresistibly cuddly as its star. The Guardian said the new CGI live-action Paddington Bear could easily have been another garish, cheapo Brit movie. Instead, writer-director Paul King and co-writer Hamish McColl have created a charming and sweet-natured family film full of wit and fun, skewed towards young children, but cheekily speckled with sly gags pitched at the older audience. IndieWire uh, said critics were pleasantly surprised, and the film was hailed for its warm-heartedness and playful sense of humor and Wishaw's charming performance. Um, yeah, people loved this movie. There's like nothing. I know it said 97%, but there's really not anything ba- outwardly bad said about this movie. Um, in 2016, Empire Magazine, here we go. We're just talking yeah. about us, Jason. They ranked Paddington 81st on their list of the 100 best British films with their entry stating a great big hug of a movie. Paddington charmed the public and critics alike in one of the nicest surprises of 2014, adding itself to the canon of beloved Christmas movies. So this came out of Christmas. Ooh. Uh, the budget for this thing was $65 million. How much do you suppose it made? Uh, let's, um, if I had to guess, I would say $150 billion. So $150 million? No, no, $150 billion. This movie, uh, it played here, it played the moon, it played Mars, it played throughout the entire solar system, and it made $150 billion. Of the Holy world. shit, it's movie night on the fucking moon, and I'm watching fucking <laughs> Paddington! Fuck yeah! Woohoo! No, this movie made $282.8 million. On a 65 budget? $65 million budget. Reasonable, reasonable. That's a good return. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so there we go. Jason, I know we talked about Paddington 2 as a Brit pick, so it's not officially up for contention. So I, uh, so I will ask you this. Is this movie something that should be added to the list? And what did you think of the film? I mean, the film's great. I loved Paddington 2, and unsurprisingly, I also loved Paddington 1. Uh, they're both great movies. It's hard to pick one from between them. Uh, but they're both fantastic, and, and I guess as a matter of course, if I was going to pick one, I'd probably pick the first Paddington, just because it is representative of the Paddington series as a whole. But yeah, I think it deserves to be on the list somewhere. I think there's a couple of family-esque films on the list that don't quite hold up that might you know be able to go. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the Railway Children. I knew you were going to say that one. <laughs> I'd rather watch this one yeah. on a Saturday, you know, on a, on a, on a rainy Sunday afternoon with, with Grandma. <laughs> well, and I mean, to, to be fair, to be fair, 
Um, there's not a lot of kids movies on the BFI top 100 that that we can, we can probably have a few spots for that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what is it like railway children and Oliver? Is that, yeah, I suppose that you, you say the movies that are like kind of aimed at youth and and on this list, we definitely have, we still have a Wallace and Gromit movie coming. Don't we we? do. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what else. I think Paddington is such an, is such a part of British culture, like a huge part of British culture. And the fact that Canadian culture too, like I say, I grew up in in very young having Paddington stuff. So it wasn't just Britain. And it's, and it's weird because Canada and, and England have nothing in common ever. Well, I mean, we have a queen in common, certainly. That was a joke, Jason. No, I don't. I don't approve of jokes, Brendan. You know, I'm all about being serious. You're right, um, but I will say that uh, I agree with you. This movie is terrific. Um, I would, yeah, I would have to. I would have to say, of course, put it on the list. And I know we've done that a lot lately. Surely this streak is going to end at some point. But mm. I will say, uh, I do think it deserves inclusion. And uh, yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about the goddamn thing. Yeah, but so Jay- check it out, folks. But Jason, what do we do now? Well, now we are going to uh, quote unquote spin the wheel. Mm. That's not a euphemism, folks. Even though I put it in quotes, that's literal. We're going to spin a well. We're going to spin a virtual wheel, mm. literally. Uh, and in doing so, we have the rest of the movies that we haven't watched yet on this list, and we're gonna we're gonna pick one. Um, I'm kind of hoping we get a bad one because we've had such a good run of good movies. I need something to get mad about. Now, see, I don't know if there's a whole lot of bad ones on here. This is a. This oh, no, is... no, but I mean, like, something like The English Patient, where it is a well regarded movie sure. that we both reacted negatively to. We could use one or more of those, as long as it's not three fucking hours long. That's true. I don't think we have any. Th- well, I think we have one like that, but I, I don't think we have too much like that. So, yeah, why don't we do it then? Why don't I spin this right. fucking wheel? Why don't I find out what we're doing next week? And here we effing go. Wow. Jason, this is um, this is a total coincidence. And I swear <laughs> I am not making this up. We have landed on uh, Wallace and Gromit in the Curse of the Were Rabbit. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Talk about kids' movies on the list. We're going to talk about another another movie intended for children. All right. That these well, I mean, don't... Wallace and Gromit is appealing to all. I mean, I've seen a number of those shorts. I've not seen this film, so I am excited to see it because I did like like the wrong trousers and. Yeah, I feel like the wrong trousers is probably the one I've seen, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But. There you go. We're going to watch Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were-Rabbit next week. We'll talk all about it. Three-hour movie. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, and, of course, before we go, I should mention that you can find us all over social media. Um, our, you can find us on Facebook. Just type in your little search. Go for screen. And country. You can also find us on Twitter at FSACpod, as in for screen. And country. Podcast. Uh, of course, our home base is Age of Radio. Go to ageofradio.org slash screen And Gundra. Or you could just search for our podcast on any of the av- fine available podcast apps. Um, and Jason, uh, where can they find you? I am at Jason D. McLeod. That is M-A-C-L-E-O-D over on Twitter. And, I mean, it's Twitter. So you know what you're in for. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, Jason's super racist and everything on there. <laughs> no, I'd get banned if I did that. Not 
you you would right now, but not under Elon's Twitter. Well, if, if Elon gets forced by the law to purchase Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest thing perhaps, ever, by the way. Yeah, then perhaps uh, he ultimately that boiled dad do a guy swung his dick around and it got caught on the fucking hook and he's going to have to deal with that now. <laughs> what an idiot. Uh, so on that note, on, on that note of Elon Musk's dick on a hook, uh, yeah. the worst way to go fishing folks. Yo, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. You'll just catch a, a bunch of like fucking fish who are into crypto and shit. Um, <laughs> this fish has a crypto wallet. Jesus. <laughs> this fish won't shut up about Dogecoin. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. We're gonna talk about Wallace and Gromit next week. Curse of the Were Rabbit, I should mention. Watch the right one, people. But until then, I just gotta say to you, Jason, God save the Queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I continue to be Jason. Um bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Oh,